just a disclaimer, um, after we recorded this episode, um, the Twins made a couple more trades, and we are still going to release this episode because it's still important, and it captures our feelings in this moment of time after this trade. We'll release an episode in the next couple of days detailing the newer trades and what came of them and what that means for the team next season. Thanks for listening. This episode of Bomber Breakdown is brought to you by Rob Manfred's successor. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Bomba Breakdown. It's been a minute, maybe two, since we have, uh, you know, uploaded another episode of this beloved podcast. But don't worry, you have not missed too much, except for the news that has come in the recent days. Because baseball is back. I'm just going to spoil the entire episode, essentially. Baseball is back. Max, we're supposed to keep them waiting till the end to tell them that. That's how we get listeners, man. <laughs> we make them wait 40 minutes till we tell them baseball's back. Come on. You got to have like a it's crazy big right. like. Thanks for listening to Bob Breakdown. Remember to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot more to talk about than just the fact that baseball's back. Um, there's lots of details as to how baseball got back, what that means for the season starting, and the big trade the Twins made one day after the lockout ended. So, lots to get into today. Um, it's late for us right now, recording this at 10.30 at night, and I think we should just get right into it. Yes, Malcolm, I agree. Let's get right into it. Um, so, on Thursday, the Major League Baseball and the MLBPA reached a deal for a new collective bargaining agreement on Thursday, and uh, that ended the league's owner-imposed lockout. So, the union voted to approve this new proposal by a 26-12 to 12 margin which I'm kind of like a little bit confused I on those 12 votes. I mean, I'm not saying I disagree with them because I would not want to accept, you know, the league's proposal, except for the fact that, you know, you're getting baseball going again. But, you know, anyways, I'm just curious for why. Either way. Yeah, go ahead. If you want, if we're going to talk about it, it was actually, so the way it broke down was it was a 26 to four vote of player reps, which basically means there's one representative of each team. There's a, eight to zero vote against it from the um, executive board or whatever, which are the eight players they elected to actually represent them that were in the meetings. So it's actually interesting that players that were in the meetings didn't want to end the lockout. They wanted to keep pushing, but also a lot of those guys are veteran players who have made their money already and can afford to miss a season. Whereas the player apps who are representing their team's players, which is basically a vote of the actual players themselves, just represented by 30 guys. They are the ones voting end lockout because those are the guys that, when LMB is threatening to shorten the season, they're looking to miss out on a lot of money that they really need. So for them, they kind of need to get back to baseball. I just think it's interesting how that broke down. That makes sense. I did, I did not know that, actually. That's that's kind of cool. Um, but, yes, yeah, so uh, there will be a 162-game season in 2022. I, I'm going to be honest. I Though last time we spoke, I think I was pretty optimistic. I – grew very pessimistic and over the past two, three weeks, I was, there was, I was thinking there was no way we were starting on time. I was thinking, which we aren't, I guess, but I was thinking there was no possible way that we would get 162 games in. But now opening day is going to be on April 7th. Um, and the 99th day of the lockout is when it ends. That's just insane. Oh, December 2nd. It's been so long. That's wow. We were different people back then. 
Um, anyways, uh, I'm going to just run down some notable details from the lockout. So the new CBT threshold is $230 million in 2023, peaks at $244 million in the final year of the CBA. Um, there's not really a um, – should I just go over, like, the bigger points, I guess? I think you hit the main ideas, and I have some thoughts on all those. Yeah, so there's a the, for the postseason format, I'd say is a big one. That's just, there's going to be twelve teams, and I I have nothing really against this. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, for me, the twelve teams is like it kind of sucks just because it makes winning your division less of an incentive because you have now more teams making playoffs every year. Which, I mean, just from a basic standpoint of you want incentivized teams to try to win their division and increase that rivalry. It's bad, but I mean, it's fun because it increases the chances we get to see more great players in October. And it means more playoff games, which are to me, some of the most fun to watch. So I don't have strong feelings about it. I guess I'm slightly against it, but I'm not going to like throw a fit because it happens. Um, For sure. Uh, neither am I, I again, but, um, and this, I don't know if it was exactly during like, the, I don't know if this actually resolved too much, but the shift is now banned. I know that as well. And here's something that I was talking with some other friends on the way home, uh, is how do you how do you enforce no shift? Do you say like you there has to be two guys on the left side a second and two guys on the right side and they they can't play like on the outside grass at the beginning of like each play or what do you how do you enforce a no shift? Um, to be honest, man, I don't know they're gonna. Do it. Also, one thing to clarify, I don't think they're putting it for this year. I believe the plan is to put it in for the twenty twenty three season. Is it really? it's too late to implement it for this year or something i believe that is how it's going to work um it isn't hasn't been officially put into place yet but basically what they agreed to is the players gave mlb the right to institute the rule which is the same thing they did with other rules too there was they allowed mlb to at some point in the next not starting this season but starting next season they could theoretically implement bigger bases making the actual bases themselves bigger uh, as well as a few other minor changes that the at league could make. The players didn't actually vote to institute, institute the rule. They allowed them to look at instituting the rule and allowed MLB to make a decision about when to institute the rule, which is an interesting impact of that. And yeah, as to how it would be enforced, I would guess it would be something similar to what you are saying, where you have a line, you have to have two infields on either side or whatever, but I don't know the specifics of how it would be enforced. I don't think MLB does either. That's why they need the time to figure out what they're doing with it. Yeah, um, here's a little summary as to what the rules were for the minor leagues um, before, because they had a little, a few, they always experiment with the minor leagues, you know, the like robot umpires, the like, sh- all that shift stuff, um, uh, the, you know, the pitch clock, all that stuff. Um, but the MLB instituted two different types of shift restrictions at double A. So in the first half of the season, infielders were required to be in the dirt, but could position themselves anywhere on the infield. Second half, two infielders required to be on each side of the second base in addition. So that's what I assumed it was going to be. Or that's, or that's what I assume it will be um, for the 2023 season in um, the MLB. But apparently the impact of the ban of shifts was pretty minimal. But again, I don't know. It's whatever. I don't have very strong feelings one way or the other. I think the shift – I think Max Kepler is going to go absolutely ballistic though. I swear to God, he always hits like a rope job down the line, but it's always like right to the first baseman or the right fielder because they shift him really hard. Um, for me, Max, I'm actually very opposed to being the shift um, for a couple reasons. One, it works against Luis Arise, 
um, or basically it de-incentivizes players to play Luis Arias because everyone is now getting played by Luis Arias. Like, Luis Arias' advantage right now is that because they can't shift him, it allows him more space. Um, but they're able to shift other guys. It makes it more valuable to be able to use the whole field because you don't allow them to shift you. But what this does is it basically makes it more – the idea of the shift was to make more hits, get more base runner – of banning the shift was to get more hits and increase base runners, which is a great goal. That should be the goal. But banning the shift doesn't do that. What banning the shift does is it makes it easier to be a Joey Gallo-type slugger where your goal is to basically pull the ball really, really hard. And if they can't shift you, it makes it easier to do that, which means more and more guys in baseball are going to be the guys that try to pull the ball really hard and hit it really hard which aren't the kind of guys that are going to get a lot of hits. It means more Joey Gallows and less Luis Arises. And in baseball, I think as a fan, as fans, we want more Luis Arises because to me, that's the most fun type of player to watch. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I sort of agree. I mean, I completely agree that that, has, that is a potential impact for sure. I just don't think it's going to be that severe. Granted, there will be an impact. No matter how minimal, there's going to be an impact, obviously. Um, but... I just don't think it's going to be big enough to where it's got me all, all tied in a knot. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing a, a fit about it. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily approve of it though. I, I would have, I wish they would have kept it how it was. However, I'm not you know, going to cry myself to sleep. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That's fair. All right. Um, so what else do we have? Minimum salary turns into $700,000, peaks at $780,000 in the final year of the CBA. I feel like I'm not looking at very notable notes. Is there any big things that I'm missing? Um, The biggest things that I think you haven't hit on yet, Um, I this might have already been announced. I don't think we've talked about it yet, though. The NLs have the DH. Was that finalized before this? It's I don't a- remember if we talked about that or not. They have talked about it before. That's kind of a big deal. Um. Theoretically, a bad thing for the Twins. It means another 15 teams are in the market for Nelson Cruz when we want him back for as cheap as possible. Um, but really, overall, it makes sense. This is bound to happen at some point. It finally happened. And the other big thing that I am a big fan of is the rookie or is the um, like lower salary bonus pool. So in your first three years of player, you're making the minimum salary unless it's an extension. And now they have a whole bonus pool. I'm not sure. It doesn't have here what the numbers ended up being. But they, this is one of the big bargaining points. They set in place a bonus pool. I, it's not a ton of money this year, but it's basically set aside. Where, like It goes to the players making that minimum salary, the guys that win awards, like make the All-Star game, or like get Rookie of the Year votes. or And then they have, they're have they talking about doing like a war-based system too, where if you're one of the top players in war or some similar statistic, um, you get some of that money, and basically the money gets split up amongst those players to increase their salaries. And it's certainly not that much money you can get, but you can make an extra 500000 to a $1 million, which, I mean, for these guys who are making $700,000 a year, this might be one of their – if they blow out their elbows and this is their last year in the bigs, like, that's life-changing money for them. So I think that's a really good thing that'll help. It starts to address the problem of the fact that players get paid a lot later in their careers but not enough earlier in their careers. I think that's a really good thing. It's not enough money in there. That was one of the things players bargained for for a long time. They were looking for a lot more money in the bonus pool. But I've heard some people saying that basically the fact that they were able – that this lockout was able to establish, they were able to fight hard enough to establish this bonus pool, the money in it isn't such a big deal because that can grow over time. And just the fact they're able to put it into place I think is a really good thing. I completely agree. Um, so it's 
it's kind of like I'm not even a hundred percent sure how the bonus pool pool is like is laid out, but essentially it's kind of and correct me if I'm wrong, Malcolm. It's almost like a performance based raise for the guys who usually wouldn't get that. Like Jonathan India won Rookie of the Year, um, you know, last year. He would have been in line for a $1.193 million salary, and he's not arbitration eligible. He's making, you know, the minimum baseball salary. However, um, he couldn't he could have made bank under this, you know, new under this new system. Apparently, players could in- increase their salaries by as much as 385%. And that's not going to happen to very many players at all. It depends on their war. It depends on their, um, their awards, uh, you know, their like award voting stuff, but say Alex Kirilov or Trevor Larnick or any, let's say who's a Jose Miranda. He's not getting paid too much. Let's say he comes up and wins MVP. I'm sure he's going to get, he would make, you know, a lot of money on this, on this uh, player pool. That's just a really random example, but I agree. I think it's a really good thing for the game. All right, a couple more details on that. It's a total amount of $50 million, which is um, basically $1.66 million per team is contributed Pretty into good. the pool and then spread out, which really when you think about it, isn't that much per team. That's yeah. $1 million going to players who wouldn't be getting it, so I think it's good. Um, the one problem with the pool to me is how you distract, divide up the money. It's always going to be controversial. And like a war-based system certainly isn't perfect because while war is a great stat, it undervalues certain players, overvalues certain players, and that's just part of it. And a big part of that is relievers, who are a lot of the guys who are making minimum salaries and can be super impactful, making having very little war and burnout after a year, year and a half. And I feel like that's one thing you need to address is a way to get some of that money to relief pitchers. And also there's just a problem with wars voting is, I mean, it's writers voting, it's fans voting for the All-Star game. Like, how is that deciding how much money a player gets paid if enough fans vote for them for the All-Star game? Like that, there's some problems lying in there. But the general idea of it is great. There's a lot of kinks need to work out, but I really like the overall idea of the system. Yeah, it's pretty. It's new enough to where I think they'll they'll take this time and they'll we'll learn more about what they plan to do with this sort of distribution of you know not a crazy amount of money per team. All right. Well, I think that's enough on the nitty gritty details, Max. Let's talk about the fact that there's going to be baseball this year. Um, uh, I've got some dates here on when it starts, and we can just talk a little bit about what it means for them to begin back to spring training and eventually a full 162-game season. Um, first off, it is March 12th today, correct? Yeah. Yep. Tomorrow, Sunday, March 13th is mandatory report date. Everyone's got to be in camp by then unless they got a good reason to not be there. Um, the players are showing up. You can see the videos. If you follow the Twins on Instagram or whatever, you can see the videos. There's players in camp. They're hidden. Royce Lewis is there. Luis Rise is there. Alex Kirloff's there. Those are the Notable guys I've seen. I'm sure many more will pull up tomorrow, and it'll be real good to see the squad back together. I saw Bailey overthrowing a little bit. And games start on March 17th, which is this coming Thursday. So we're getting right into business, and it's going to be baseball season before we know it. Yeah, I cannot wait. And also, also I heard Royce Lewis ran like a sub four uh, home to first time. That's just kind of a little random detail. But really he's he's been looking really, really good. So far, just so you just to remember, he's still going to be really, really good. I mean, he's still top prospects. Exactly, exactly. So it looks like we've got two spring training games starting the seventeenth already. Is that right? Yes, March seventeenth. That's that's five five days. It's crazy, Max. 
two days ago, I didn't think we were going to be getting baseball this year. I mean, like, I thought we were going to get baseball, but I thought it was going to be, like, starting in June. I thought we'd be locked out till May. Season starts in June. All of a sudden, we've got games in five days. Like, it's oh gone from hopelessness to baseball games in a week. And that's Yeah, awesome. it, was, it was insane. Like, players got really creative. They made fun of the league and did all this and all that. But overall, like, people trying to make light didn't cover up enough the fact that, like, it was a terrible, terrible situation, terrible commissioner causing this terrible situation that should have been solved months ago. And now none of that matters. Well, it matters, you know, because it still happened and he still sucks, stupid Manfred. But it does not matter enough. Uh, it doesn't matter enough because baseball is happening. No matter what baseball is happening, we've got two games. Or no, we have just one. That's the entire schedule. I think we just had, yeah, we have a, wow, that's crazy. We have a game the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st. I mean, we're just, Day after day of baseball. I'm just opening days, April 7th. That's less than a month away. We'll start playing baseball games with this squad. And I mean, it's not going to be the Twins' best year this year. I think we can both agree on that. And we'll get more into predictions as the month goes on. Ah. That's where we talk about our actual predictions this season, certain players. But overall, Max, I'm just excited to see this team play because as much as it's not going to be our best year, there's a ton of super fun personalities and guys that love to watch play baseball. I mean, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, Luisa Rise, Jorge Polanco, Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, who's awesome, Josh Donaldson. Hey, we'll talk about him in a second. We will. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Uh, Got Taylor Rogers, man. Taylor Rogers is awesome, dude. Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan's hair. Oh, yeah. We have Joe Ryan. We signed Dylan Bundy. Who knows what that's going to be, but that's going to be fun. Like, this is just going to be awesome team watch. We have Caleb Thielbar with his 60-mile-an-hour curveballs. Like, it's going to be a weird year, and it's not going to be the best year, but there's going to be a lot of really fun moments. I'm just looking forward to getting to watch this team with you guys all year. Hear me out, though. Okay, okay. By the way, another good thing. Now, I'm pretty sure opening day is at home now against the Mariners because um, they, like, had to cancel two series, and, like, I think those might be pushed back or something. I'm not sure how they're doing that, but I think the first games are at home now, which is really cool. Minnesota's April seventh. Fall month, man. Doesn't seem like if you look outside. April seventh is that? April seventh is that? A, what day of the week is that? Is that three ten? No Max, I'm leaving school early if that's a school day. Oh my gosh, that's just criminal. Who puts opening day on it? Anyways, um, four from the Mariners. We're taking that easy. Oh my gosh, that's a sweep and a half right there. Four no. Four no. Starts Dodgers. Eight. Dodgers. I'll accept defeat on the against the Dodgers. Dodgers no. are good. Red Sox <laughs> at Fenway. Three out of four. Royals. Sweep. White Sox at home, easy sweep. Tigers at home, sweep. I do I do I need to say anything else? I mean, it sounds like you're predicting fourteen and two to start the year, Max. <sighs> well, you know, you're the numbers guy. I just I didn't actually sure. what you're doing, but I counted only two losses out of our first like fifteen or so games. Sounds sounds about right. I feel like it's a pretty good start to the season. Um, I'm not saying that can't happen. Um, crazier things have happened in baseball, but. You never know what's going to happen, but that's the great thing about us. We get to see the season play out, and we get to see it all happen, and I'm excited to watch it. So I think we should get into talking about this trade, Max. Um, we should. Kind of a big deal. Twins trade away catcher Mitch Garver for Rangers shortstop slash catcher slash third baseman Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and pitching prospect Ronnie Enriquez. So thoughts, Max? I'm going to let you go throw it to you first. 
I am very, I'm like 60, 40. This is a good trade. I, that's where I'm sitting right now because I think overall, I like the trade. I, I, it sucks because I feel like Kiner Falefa isn't necessarily a guy I'm going to get super emotionally attached to. Ronnie Enriquez, different story, but Mitch Garver has been top like five twins catcher of all time top five catcher in the league arguably over the last few you know few years it's just been absolutely insane what he's done for the twins he's improved his defense so much he's like one of the best you know top three easy I'd say best offensive catchers in the league he's unbelievable it's amazing to see he missed a lot of time last year but when he was in he was just amazing um however we gotta look at what the twins are doing here this season and we'll talk more about all this we should have some more time in the coming weeks hopefully to make an episode but um it's looking like a retool year you know kind of a regroup kind of a you know hopefully let's get ready for 2023 to be our year but I don't want it to be – it's not going to be something where we're losing 100 games, I don't think. It's just going to be something where we're going to lose more games than we might hope, um, especially with how, like, 2019 and 2020 and part of – you know, not 2021 went. But, um, again, I think we're bringing back a very good amount of talent for this year and in the years to come. So I think it's overall a good trade. It's just like losing Mitch Garver is such a, just like my heart is, Oh, I would say my heart is very sad about the trade. My brain is very happy with it. It stinks lose Garver. But what this trade is, is we're trading from a position of depth. We have Ryan Jeffers. who's a really, really good defensive catcher and can hit all right. You got Ben Rortvet, who's a lefty who can platoon well with Jeffers and is also great behind the plate. So well, they're not Mitch Garver and then, no, they're not going to be 2019 Mitch Garver. No, not many catchers in baseball are going to hit the way Mitch Garver hit in 2019. But they're going to be valuable catchers. So to trade for a position of strength to get a shortstop, which we desperately needed, um, and not have to go spend $200 million on the trade market. I mean, or on the free agent market. Unless you're going to spend for Trevor's story, this was our chance. This is the best shortstop we're going to get if we're not spending $200 bucks this offseason. So, I mean, I'm happy with that. I feel like. Again, for retooling here, what we've put together right now is a pretty damn good offense that I'm going to be excited to watch both field and hit. Everything except the pitching about this team is looking beautiful. The hitting, defense, spectacular. We just got to pitch enough to win. Um, and to that end, Ronnie Enriquez probably won't help us this year, but he's got a real bright future too, Max. You want to talk a little about him? Yeah, so Ronnie Enriquez, he's a guy who has a like 55 out of 55 fastball per like his prospect, prospect grading. Um, he sits mid to upper nineties with really good control. Um, and just, you know, beautiful zip on that fastball. Awesome. His slider has got really good movement, not the greatest control on it. Um, and I think he's also got a change up in there that he's, he's been working on a lot. So if he can't, he's looking to be like a mid middle multi inning reliever, I'd say, but if he can't get a solid, three plus pitch mix in by the time he gets to the majors, I'd see him more as a late inning closer kind of role because he's going to gain more velocity as he travels through our system. Um, so, but I really think he's got a lot of potential. I mean, he's, he's, he was the like 15th ranked prospect in the Rangers organization. 
He's going to place high for the Twins. He had a tough year last year. Not It wasn't crazy bad. He struck out a lot, didn't walk a crazy amount. Just just kind of the control kind of got away from him a little bit a lot. But um, he worked his way up, and I think he's bound to have a great couple of years and hopefully be an important part of this Twins, you know, trade because again think we've already got kind of falefa who um we can touch on them in just a second a little bit but um is already gonna be already gonna be a beast for years to come but i think enriquez is a really underrated grab in this trade i think i think the twins did a great job here yeah um i mean we know the twins love to get pitchers who can throw a slider i mean it doesn't really matter else if you can throw a slider twins are gonna love you um i'm just looking here yes we know the pitch right now isn't great. We've acknowledged that. We saw what happened last year. It's kind of miserable. But I just want to look at the Twins' top prospects right now. We just traded for Enriquez. He's pretty good. Our top two prospects, Royce Lewis and Austin Martin, are shortstop slash center fielders. Both incredible talents. Beyond that, seven of our next eight prospects are right-handed pitchers. Um, Jordan Vlasovic, Simeon Woods Richardson, Joan Duran, Joe Ryan, Jose Miranda, Josh Winder, and Matt Cantorino. I mean, look at that. I think Chase Petty's in there, too. That's nine top 15 prospects that are, like, high-quality pitchers. And almost all those names I just listed are, like, nearly MLB ready. Chase Petty is not quite – he's just a draft pick this year. But you're looking at Jordan Blazovic is nearly MLB ready. Simeon Woods Richardson is a triple-A guy probably this year. Probably be MLB ready next year. John Duran is nearly MLB ready, probably triple-A this year. Joe Ryan's going to be in the big league start of the year. Um Josh Winder um, pitched really well in the minors last year. He'll probably get a shot in the big leagues this year. Matt Carinarino is a little further away, but he could be up in two years probably. Like, And Enriquez is probably about a year or two out. Just in a couple of years, our offense kind of fluffs around for a couple of years. we got a lot of guys that are secured for at least a couple more years, and that pitching is going to come up. And once that connects, we're going to have a real good staff, Max. I agree, and I think um, Chase Petty is the guy who – he is 18, about to be 19, um, and he's a guy who's got so much potential. He's got, like, a potentially triple digits fastball at times, and he's only 18 – or okay, let's just call him 19 because he's basically 19. And at just 19 years old, if he can grow a little bit, um, and he'll probably be in the majors, I'd say, like, 2025-ish um, – I think it'll be a big addition. Plus, like you said, we've got all these pitchers coming up. Royce Lewis, Austin Martin, um, Jose Miranda will hopefully definitely see a lot of time this year um, in the bigs. So, and you look at all these ETAs in the big leagues, you know, Royce Lewis, Austin Martin, Jordan Balazovic, Simeon Woods, Richardson, Duran, uh, Ryan, Miranda, Winder, Cantorino, you know, all these guys are looking at a potential 2022 debut and i think that's so so good um plus plus you've got you know kirloff and larnick who saw a solid portion of major league time last year and hopefully we'll see so much this year with us potentially looking at this retooling year i think um this is going to be such a healthy year for our prospects especially if guys like royce lewis can stay healthy for a year and just grow so much as ball players and again we've got like falefa who can hopefully um, settle in nicely. The one downside I'd say to this, and sorry, I'm kind of eating up a lot of time here, but one downside I'd like to just point out quick is just Josh Donaldson's contract. It seems like just we've just wasted so much. I mean, a lot of that is blamed on COVID. He came here in 2020, super shortened season, 
We choked in the playoffs. Terrible year last year, and we kind of are trying to rebound, but it's so hard to rebound from such a bad year to such an amazing year this year. Um, and he's in his third year of his four-year contract with a, with a fifth-year option. But are we really just saying that Josh Donaldson's going to um, – I don't know. It's hard to say. At best, we're looking at like a like a year long um, Josh Donaldson with a good, good Twins team. So it's kind of a bummer there. But I think it's just there are so many good things that can come out of this. I'm trying to stay up optimistic here. I'd have to disagree with you on that, Max. I mean, like, yes, it's a bummer that we aren't going to get to compete. Oh, we have Josh Donaldson, and that stinks. But I feel like the only real downside of signing him is that it potentially scares the owners off of being willing to make those big deals in the future. But from my point of view, I mean, like, I'd rather have Josh Donaldson right now than not have him. And it's not like if we weren't spending that $20 million on him, we would go out and sign Trevor's story. Like, from my point of view, like, the owners would either pocket that money or pay Josh Donaldson that money this year. And honestly, I'm just happy that we're getting to see Josh Donaldson play. And, like, he's still a good veteran player. I remember last, or was it two springs or even 2020, that there was, like, the video of him and Mitch Garber just, like, after pre- after the team scrimmages were over, just sitting behind home plate in the stands was talking about hitting for like hours. And it's like that kind of leadership and him, I think it was video of him last year, like working with Alex Kirilov on hitting and stuff in spring training. Like he's a really good veteran leader. And so to have that guy around and get to watch him play, he's a good example for the young players. And seems like he like is a good guy to have around. And it's fun to get to watch it, even if it's not going to be the best season, you know? Yeah, no, completely. I, I'm, and again, that's just me, me nitpicking and complaining about these little things you, but you you do bring up a good point there. You do need those veteran guys. Um, Nelson Cruz, for example, was one of the just greatest players to have around, and I hope he comes back for another year because the wisdom he brings to the game has been just so unmatched. And same with Josh Donaldson. I mean, they just bring this in – like Donaldson won an MVP in like 2015, 2016 or whatever. Um you know, Nelson Cruz has been like one of the best hitters in the league for like ever since, you know, 19, whatever. Anyways, um, they've been so good for so long and they're just passing all this great, great, um, you know, knowledge onto these younger players. And we're going to have a team of younger players. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to, trying to figure out ways to back up my point there. I kind of an open-ended argument, but I'd say like, okay, a guy like Jose Miranda, I don't know. Do you think he's going to – oh, never mind. I'm just going to stop talking now. <laughs> I was going to say he's going to take away from a guy like Jose Miranda starting, but do we really want Jose Miranda playing the entire 2023 season? Or 2022? Miranda will get his minutes. And like I was, I was talking to some people earlier about how it stinks that, like, this probably means less playing time for Lisa Rice. So we trade for kind of left of them. I'm like, you know what? People are going to get hurt. There's going to be playing time. If we go through this entire 160-game season no one gets hurt and everyone plays every day – and Jose Miranda doesn't get to see the field, that's a good thing for the team, even if Jose Miranda doesn't see the field. Like, we're going to be happy if no one gets hurt. And there will be opportunities for him because people will get hurt, people will go down. And you never know, Josh Johnson's calf could seize up and he could just miss the rest of the season. And all of a sudden, Jose Miranda's got playing time. But it's good to just have him there and have the options, and I'm happy about it. Also, Max, since you're looking for the number, Nelson Cruz has been one of the top seven hitters in the league every year since 1842. Oh, just wow. Um, it was, he almost wasn't eighteen. He wasn't eighteen forty, and he missed in eighteen forty one. He has been. Gee whiz, yeah, it was an off year. It happens. It everyone has their down years, you know. Yeah, whiz. Um, 
we should talk a little bit more about Isaiah Kyrie here, I guess, before we wrap it up because we kind of skipped over. Yeah, the lead a little bit. Um, he's a shortstop, um, or a third baseman basically. He came up as a catcher through the minor leagues, but then moved to shortstop. And um, in 2020, admittedly a short season, but he won the Gold Glove, and was a really great player that year. I mean, he put up what was it here? He had a two WAR season in the shortened season, which over full season expands to be. I mean, five and a half war, probably. That's a really, really good season. And this past year, put up 3.7 war, despite being low average at the plate. He's a high batting average guy, still gets some hits. Slash on last year, 271, 312, 357. So as you can see, I don't know if you can see that, but that's not a lot of power, not a ton of walks, but hits for high enough average to make him at least decent. And plays incredible defensive shortstop. Um, the Rangers this offseason signed Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, both top tier shortstops in the league. So there's just no place for Kyra Fleffa. So a good deal for them to show up with the catcher and a good deal for us to get ourselves a good shortstop. Um, That's worst yeah. case scenario for me this year. Kyra Fleffa could be an Andrew Simmons repeat, a good fielding shortstop who can't hit enough. Best case scenario, he hits just enough to be about a league average hitter, wins a gold glove at shortstop, and is a four and a half war player in the middle of our infield all year. Oh, man, you stole it. I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to go worst case, best case, because that is something I think Twins fans are very anxious for, like, this shortstop position to be filled. Um, and that does raise another question that I'll get to in a second. But, um, yeah, Falefa, I think he's like Simmons but younger and not as good as at defense. You know, like, Simmons has the trusted years. Falefa has, has been very good for um for about a year year or two now and um he's 26 he is listed as a shortstop but he played a lot of he did play a solid amount at third base of course and he has actually caught a little bit so like he has the ability to catch i I think he threw out a few runners actually so it's not like he's incompetent if it comes to that um especially with garver being gone but either way i do have a question for you malcolm if So you, obviously we have Lewis and um, and Austin Martin coming up. If one of them is like major league ready, do you just have Falefa who is under contract for like two or three more years? Do you try to look for a trade? Do you put him as a utility man because he's so good at defense? I feel like this is kind of a win-win in that way. Is if because th- this is different from Simmons because with Simmons you were relying on him as being the starter because R- Lewis was injured for so long and you didn't want to put Polanco at short. So you were, you, you know, you just play plopped Simmons in there and he sucked. But with this, it's like Falefo can start the season there at least. And he'll be the starting shortstop for a solid amount of the season, I'd say. But if, if Lewis or Martin or both or whatever comes up and starts to be the starting shortstop, then it's good because they're, we're obviously getting production out of our shortstop position. And we've got this versatile utility guy in Isaiah Kiner Falefa who is young so much potential and so i think that's why it's such a good trade but do you think they would ever look for a trade are we or are we thinking um we think we just put him as a utility guy if but that was know. actually the next thing i was going to talk about um before you even asked the question i was looking up the numbers but we're going to sure. pay five million bucks this year so if all of a sudden royce lewis is breaking in triple a through the first through june and you're like we're going to call him up in july and give him a chance kind of fleffa can move to third base or move to catcher or be a utility guy and Five million bucks for a good utility guy is a total steal. Um, I wouldn't say we, I'd say we probably don't trade him because again, like I was saying before, guys will get hurt. Like we're looking at this with our whole team there. We're looking at an infield where we've got 
I mean, Donaldson, Miranda, um, Kenner Fleffa, Royce Lewis, theoretically, at some Polanco, point. Polanco, Rice, Gelsano, Alex Kirloff. That's eight infields I just listed for four spots. But have, everyone's going to spend some time on the injured list. Some guys are going to have down seasons. Things will happen. Crazier. I mean, like, and you never know what's going to happen. And so it's just, like, to have that depth there and have those options. I think it's great. And his utility and ability to move around and be an emergency catcher when I'm guessing this year will probably keep the two catchers in the roster with Rort Bet and Jeffers, like I was saying. And if something happens or whatever you need to, Kyra Fluff is perfectly capable of going back there for a game or two. So I think his versatility is something that will be super valuable. I don't think the scenario would change this year. Theoretically, next year's salary will be up to about $8 million. If he doesn't have the best year this year, I can see us non-tendering him in arbitration or trading him away if we feel like Royce Lewis is ready, but definitely not this year, and I would doubt next year as well. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with that. I think um, he's a – and also, Simmons, we paid $10 million for Simmons, and we're paying 5 for for kind of Falefa. Um, so I'm not saying that that it's automatically a better deal. You know, if kind of Falefa is injured for the entire season, then it's obviously – kind of a waste, but it's $5 million. Simmons, we wasted, you know, nothing crazy, crazy, but $10 million is a, is a solid sum of money. So I think um, this $5 million contract is just perfect for a guy like Falefa, who um, is going to be given this starting role, but it could, it could be taken. So he's got to fight for it. And I've heard he's like one of the hardest workers in that Rangers organization. So I'm really excited for him to, for him to join the twins. Yeah. Allison's a good personality to have. Um, I feel like we finished this podcast by saying goodbye, Mitch Garver. Um, it's sad, man. Garver was a huge part of that 2019 team that captured our hearts that we named our podcast after. That Bomba squad, he was hit 31 homers that year, just was a beast all year. I mean, it was fun to see him grow from what he was. He wasn't a top prospect at all, was considered like a good bat with not nearly with not enough glove and worked really hard his defense to get better and boy did that bat come come around there for a while and I was just really appreciative to watch him he had some huge moments I was watching Mitch Garver highlight some big home runs he hit he's just so clutch and so good in the spotlight and it really stinks to lose him because he was a fun player to watch and a great guy to have around the clubhouse it was it was so fun um Garv sauce was I just one of my favorite players. I mean, obviously he's, I, I, I'd even, he's just such an awesome player. And I wish him such, like, I wish him amazing luck on the Rangers who are going to have kind of a scary team this year. Um, uh, yeah. Don't underrate them, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, just good for, good for him. Um, he's obviously going to bring a lot of value to the Rangers. And I think this is really good for him as well, because for, uh, while it sucks because he has to leave the twins, it's a very emotional day for him. He's going to get that starting everyday role. Whereas Jeffers would have seen a lot of time. Now he gets this starting everyday role. We get to see him. And just a year ago, he was a top prospect in our organization. He, I mean, he's got a lot of potential there. Um, but again, you know, we get to see Garver as this everyday catcher in Texas. I just could not be more happy for him. I hope he goes off this season. Oh, I would love to see Mitch Garver win the MVP this year. Obviously, we boned you on the Twins, but we'd be happy for him. And hoping our paths cross again someday, see him return to the Twins or we face him in the ALCS or whatever ends up happening. Um, but we wish him the best and just really gratefully got to watch him for the last five years of his career. Um, we were very lucky to get to see a great player do his thing. I tear up now. 
Um, well, before Max starts crying, I think we should wrap this thing up. So, thanks for some breakdown. We will try to be back with more episodes as it gets close to the season again. We're real busy. Our baseball seasons are starting Monday, too, so it's going to be chaotic, but we'll try to find some time to record here. Sorry for the lack of podcasts recently, but again, there wasn't any news to report. It was players fighting over numbers, and to be honest, for us, that was not a fun thing to talk about, so we kind of didn't. But exactly, baseball's back, and we're real excited about it, so... Thanks for some Baba Breakdown. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Bomba underscore Breakdown. That's B O M B A underscore B R E A K D O W N. Thanks for listening to Baba Breakdown.